So, Michelle. So, David. Look, everything has been so crazy around the world this time that I just mm. want to get away from it all. Yeah. I want a break. Okay. I want to get away from all of this crazy Russia, China, everybody having a bad time type thing. Okay. Midterm election craziness. It's all a bit too silly. So, I decided to go for some very serious spy stuff. Oh, okay. Get back to your roots. Yeah, get back to the serious side of yes. what it's like to be... A celebrity spy. Please don't say that you were one. Oh, well, you know, I'm a minor celebrity spy, but you know what? I thought leaving ASIO and becoming a comedian would be a really, like, dodge move. No, you know what? So many people in show business and other areas have been spies. Yeah. You want to talk about it? Yeah, but I also want to caveat it with you're neither a spy nor a celebrity. Shut up. Listening to I Spied, the B-lister of Australian intelligence. I, I've been invited to be a seat warmer at the Logies. No, you haven't. And, oh, uh, and the CIA have no. asked me. Oh, okay. Um, Please leave. Okay. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. We're in a new studio, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. We're waiting for the sound baffling to go in, so it yeah. may be a little bit echoey, but please forgive us for that. Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> I'm at one side of the room and Michelle is at the other side <laughs> of the room. We're shouting over a cavern. <laughs> Whatever you want! <laughs> right. Uh, so today we're talking about celebrity spies. Yes. Because the funny thing is my brother, of all things, Big Pete, mm-hmm. my lovely brother, g'day Pete, yeah. uh, Pete sent me this message going, you're not going to believe this, and it was about John Wayne. John Wayne. John Wayne, the big, tall Texan man. And we're not going to talk about John Wayne right away. We're going to start with a few uh, other ones because John Wayne's story is a bit freaky. But interestingly enough, quite a few authors have been yeah. spies. Okay. There was, of course, Ian Fleming. Yes, we know about that who one. Who cut his teeth on that. So my other favourite was Roald Dahl. Okay. Now, Roald Dahl's story is really interesting because he, during World War II, he was a pilot. Mm. Had a terrible air accident, couldn't fly anymore, so they put him on a desk. And then they sent him to Washington to work in the British Embassy, where he was the toast of the ladies of Washington. Oh, I bet. That's right. The guy who wrote Matilda could really pull. And the thing was, <laughs> he was pulling like... Well, his daughter is quite stunning. Yeah, well, the number of women that he slept with by the sounds of it, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Because the thing was, he was really popular with the ladies. So British intelligence went, can you like keep betting the ladies? Can you be a honey trap? Can you be a honey trap, but can you influence yep. American opinion? Can you get the, the moves and shakers to influence American opinion? Because at the time, America wasn't in the war and didn't want to mm. be in the war. So basically they went, Roald, go over there and sleep America into this war. Now, the interesting thing was he was very good at it. He right. was exceptionally good at seducing women until he met one Claire Booth Luce, who he basically turned around and went, I want to stop now. She's just too much in the bedroom. That's what he said? Yeah. He said that she was way too much for him. You know, basically, my eyes were bigger than my stomach. What? What? What is too much? Like, I want to know what that means. Exhausting? <laughs> like, I'm really confused. Like, when is it too much? I can understand when a guy's too much. Oh, but- thanks. <laughs> but a woman can never be too much. Well, I'm more talking about appendages, but like, I just don't understand <laughs> too much. Well, I think the whole too much, I, I look, it, interestingly enough, having done all the research mm. on this, there isn't a lot of what too much was. He just, okay. the- I think she was a little frisky. Okay. I think it was just like, I am running out of bodily fluids here. Please, can I stop <laughs> for five minutes? I don't think it was a time for the nipple clamps and the hot wax. I think it was more like she was on his doorstep every day. Going, so there, it was no 50- 50- 50 shades of grey. I want some 
Okay. <laughs> right. So that's Roald Dahl. Now, the other one was Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, yes. the brilliant writer. Yeah. Right. He was involved in the Spanish Civil War. Drunk. Um, he was a drunk. Well, he was. Um, <laughs> and one of my favourite lines from Rick and Morty is about Ernest Hemingway. I wish this shotgun was my penis. And if it was, you can call me Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway committed okay. suicide by blowing his brains out with a yes. shotgun, for those who don't understand it. But the thing is, a lot of people believe it was because he was involved in intelligence. Oh, okay. He was supposedly recruited by the NKVD, which is the predecessor to the KGB. So mm. he was recruited by the Soviets, but he was also recruited by OSS. And a lot of people believe that Hemingway may have committed suicide because of the moral dilemma the he found himself in. Yeah. Uh, now, that was 1961. So through World War, like through the 30s, into mm. the 40s, and then the 50s, he supposedly worked both sides of the street. Right. Which is a difficult way to do it. So Lacare, of course, Lacare, who wrote, the spy who came in from the cold, all that sort of stuff. He was deep cover in West Germany for MI6 for years, which explains why his books are so accurate. Right. right. Really, really good fiction. John Steinbeck, who wrote the I know Steinbeck, Steinbeck, Grace of Wrath. Uh, supposedly worked for the CIA. In, really? In Europe. He See, was, Steinbeck is one of my favourite authors. Really? Yeah. Well, he, supposed, he was in the Mediterranean and he mm. was sent to the Mediterranean by mm. a newspaper in the US and went, write what you feel like writing about. Mm. And then he sort of, someone said he contacted the CIA in the 50s and went, look, I'm, I'm seeing all this stuff. Do you want me to report about it? There's nothing in these CIA files about it. But then again, the CIA aren't going to put something like that no. in the files. But he used to go away on Thursday afternoons while in Paris. He'd disappear on Thursday afternoons and everyone believes that's when he was seeing his handler. Oh. Yeah. Or he was in a bar getting drunk. I mean. Well, I believe be that seems to be a late motif for most authors. They're oh, either yeah, totally. or drunk. Oh, 100%. Especially that era. And usually both. Yeah. Um, and finally, and this is my, of the authors, he's a playwright admittedly, was Noel Coward. Love Noel Coward. Now, Noel Coward, the thing I loved about Noel Coward was he wrote propaganda for British intelligence. Mm. But he also, he would smuggle information into the US because, oh. again, the US weren't in the war at this point in time. So he'd go over there. Now, I love this quote. It sums up my intelligence career as well. He said, my disguise would be my reputation of being a bit of an idiot. I feel like that is totally your spy That's my explanation. spy story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but that was the thing. Coward was incredibly charming, Yeah, could get into any door. Mm. And he was literally handing intelligence to Roosevelt, uh, to other members of the US government, yep. who couldn't actually be seen taking it from the British. Right. So the British would give it to him. And this is another thing with entertainers in the entertainment industry and all of these different industries, like sports, entertainment, we'll go through it. These people have access that normal mm. people don't have. Correct. Now, talking about sports, there was a guy, have you ever heard of Moberg? No. No, no, okay. Now, sport, I can see that sport is not your thing. No, sport is my thing. What is? What sports do you like? I like cricket. I like basketball. Tennis? Yeah, I don't mind watching. Like, I, if I'm going to see, here's the thing. I like watching sport live. Yeah. I will go to the tennis. I will go to the cricket. Yeah. But I won't watch these things on TV. On TV. Right. Now, Moberg was a baseball player in the- Oh, no, baseball's boring. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> cricket, but slower. Base, yeah, boring. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, now, the interesting thing, he was a baseballer. He spoke 12 languages, mm. had degrees in French and philosophy, and also was a fully qualified and bar-associated registered lawyer. Crazy. Smart guy. Yeah. Right, went to – he was traded to the Washington Senators mm. during the 30s and he became the toast of the town. Everyone went, this guy's a genius. Yeah. And then he was approached by US intelligence and they basically turned around and said, can you spy for us when you go overseas? So they sent him – he went on a tour, a baseball tour of Japan in the 30s. Very, very popular. Mm. Like Japan, Japan's really big with baseball. While he was there, he would make lots of home movies. 
he took his little 16mm camera with him nice. to make home movies. Funnily enough, all of them were in military bases. Oh. Right? So he was filming the Japanese fleets, the Japanese Air Force. He was filming everything he could While he was on. playing baseball. While playing baseball. Uh, right? so, I mean, it's smart. Yeah. Now, the other thing was he also got caught breaking into an aircraft factory while he was in Japan. And how do you talk your way out of that? Well, his manager did it for him. Okay. Because the manager went, no, 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 he's just, he's really into aviation. Let him go. And the Japanese went, well, he is a great baseball player. And he's pretty stupid, not knowing who can speak 12 languages, including theirs, right? And away he went. His final big intelligence thing was during World War II, they sent him, I think it was to Yugoslavia. Yep. To look at a nuclear scientist, uh, a Nazi scientist who was working on their atomic program, a guy by the name of Werner Heisenberg. Okay. Right. And he was to talk to Heisenberg, find out what was going on. I feel on. like you said that with a German accent. Werner Heisenberg. This is a name like Werner Heisenberg. Yeah, but Yugoslavia, the Slovaks, the Croats. I well, they were, think, mm. the Nazis had occupied Yugoslavia at that point. And, oh, okay. of course, don't forget, they would have diffused the research. They wouldn't just be in one spot. Yes. One bomb takes out all your people. Different from the Manhattan Project in America, it was literally underneath Chicago and try to get a bomber there. Now, the whole thing was he was told that we want you to talk to Heisenberg and if it turns out that he's involved in their program mm. and you think it's advanced enough, we want you to kill him. Okay. So they turned around to a baseball player and went, and by the way, if you don't like it, kill him. Now, whether he used a baseball bat, no one knows. Did he kill him? No, he didn't. Oh. Because he had the he actually sat down with Heisenberg and asked him and Heisenberg went, we're not even close, don't worry about it. So he went, okay, go back to your business. And it was fine. And the Americans were absolutely cool with that. Okay. So this is the sort of thing that these people do. They go in and do this sort of stuff. The other one. Imagine if like there, there was some famous sports star or something who's, being, who's recruited. Like now. Yeah. But again, like that would, I mean, it would be such a good cover. Who's to say it's not happening now? Right? The only reason we know about these yeah. celebrity spies. But I feel like celebrities nowadays are just too interested in the dollars. Uh, but there is money involved in this anyway. I mean, the I uh, can't remember. I think the guy's name was like Chuck Brassy or something. Mm. He was a game show host and purportedly killed 38 people on behalf of the CIA. George Clooney made a movie about it. Right. right. Now, interestingly enough, this guy, this game show host, actually turned around just before he died and went, look, I know I said that in my biography, but it may have just been a flight of my imagination. Right. But as soon as you go, I killed 38 people for the CIA, oh, no, I didn't, everyone goes, yeah, you did. You really did. George Clooney made a movie about it. It had to have happened. I mean, if George Clooney made a movie about it, it definitely happened. <laughs> He's a smart guy. Now, the yep. other the other sports person that's a really good one is a woman by the name of Alice Marble. Oh, Alice Marble. Ever heard of it? No. Oh, I love this. This is going to be literally, it's Boomer City today. I know. It? I right. feel like this. I'm literally trying not to doze off. Anyway. Alice anyway. Marble won 18 grand slams in her tennis career, oh. including in one year holding the US and British singles titles. Doubles titles and mixed doubles titles. Yeah, but we're also probably talking about an era where there wasn't as many people playing. She was the Serena Williams <laughs> of her day. No, I, w- I wouldn't draw that analogy but, because but pretty very, much there was probably four people in the competition. But very white. No, 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 no. There was like tennis was still a big thing. Now the interesting thing about Marble was she had a boyfriend in Switz, an ex-boyfriend who was mm. a Swiss banker, and she was touring Switzerland. So. U.S. intelligence turned around and went, we want you to talk to your ex-boyfriend and get all the Nazi finance details you can. I mean, that makes sense. Right. and Why wouldn't you? Well, the interesting thing was she was shot by the Nazis trying to escape. Was she? In the back. Oh, no. And she yeah. died? No. Oh. She survived. But couldn't play <laughs> Because tennis. of her backhand. She, yeah. <laughs> she managed to volley the bullet back over the net. That is absolutely nuts. So, tennis player tries to find out some stuff. Gets, gets this information, trying to get out of... 
out of Switzerland, yeah. which is a neutral territory, and of course, it's no doubt a Gestapo, probably a Gestapo agent mm-hmm. who took a pot shot at her, hit her, didn't kill her, certainly made her forehand a bit tight for a while. Yeah, um, she went on to have a career as a tennis coach, coached Billie Jean King. Now, would because she was injured doing something for yeah. the government, would they have paid her out a little bit? Like they might what? have given her a medal. Oh. Well. Oh, look, here's the interesting thing. Who wants a fucking medal? When we, yeah, but when we get... Oh, that's a if you really lose your point. whole career over Well, it. she didn't lose a whole career. And by the sounds of it, she was probably at the end of her career okay. anyway. So a bullet... You so know. a bullet in the back. What is that? I mean, come <laughs> bullet on. Bullet in the back. I mean, it's something to talk about over dinner. Yeah, exactly. You're I've got a good story. Good you're yarn. You're sitting there, you know, old woman with Federer <laughs> going, oh, you know, or, you know, Djokovic. Oh, God, oh, it's really hot. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, really hot. Bullet in the back. Shut up. Yeah. Right? So the other one is criminals. Oh. Yeah, what criminals involved? Lucky Luciani. I mean, this makes total sense because they've got the aptitude for it, really. They've also got interesting access because uh, yeah, they would. Luciani had been sent to prison for 50 to 60 years for, I like this, this was what he was- Tax fine. evasion. No, compulsory prostitution. How do you force someone- Oh, we would call it sex slavery now. Oh, yeah, but back yeah, then yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah, want to okay. say, you didn't say sex yeah. and slavery was, well, you can't say that. So they called it compulsory- Prostitution, yeah. which sounds like something you have to do if you're naughty. Right, right. You've been very bad, David. Go and do some compulsory prostitution. Or it's something you need to do to pass a final test or something. Some compulsory yeah, prostitution. Yeah, you can't pass PDHPE unless you do your compulsory prostitution. Yeah. Unit. Right. So anyway, Lucky Luciani was sitting in prison. He had been, and he was sitting there for the next 50 to 60 yeah. years. When the USS Normandy, which was a, an ocean liner that was being converted into a troop carrier, was set fire to and sunk in the harbour in the United States. Right. Now, the thing is, of course, intelligence go to interview the dock workers and the dock workers all turn around and go, no, 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 nothing, no, I don't care, right? I'm a unionist, I don't care. Right, so the whole okay. thing was they couldn't get any information. They knew Luciani had had a lot of feelers into the docks, so they turned around to Luciani and went, we want you to find out what happened to and the we'll Normandy. And we'll shave a few years off your sentence. Uh, well, they couldn't do that. They said, we're not going to shave some time off your sentence, but what we will do... Is make it more comfortable. We will give you free access to any visitor you want. Mm. So, more compulsory prostitution coming up. Um, <laughs> and also probably, you know, that scene in Goodfellas where they're all in prison making the Italian meal? Yeah. Probably that as well. Now, the interesting thing was not only did he help with the Normandy scuttling, when I think it was in four weeks they found eight Nazi intelligence agents involved in the plot. Wow. So, one, boom, that's great. Then they went, look, we're thinking of invading Sicily. Do you know anyone that could help? Of course, Luciani does. He had these fingers into the Sicilian Mm. mafia. So he turned around and went, you want to land here, you want to expect a counterattack from here, and basically gave him the gameplay for Sicily, for the invasion of Sicily. He finished his 10th year of his sentence. It was let go. Oh, I'm the proviso that he never entered the United States again. So they let him out of prison and they sent him back to Italy where he died in exile. Of course, the last- But I feel like they do that all the time now. But also, wow, how tough. You've got to go and live in Sicily. I know. In Italy. That's got to be- I mean, it, it really puts it puts a really good spin on exile. Ow. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've got to have Aperol oh. spritz and some pastas and pizzas. Oh, I'm so God. sad about it. I've got to hang out on the Amalfi Coast. This <laughs> oh, sucks. Oh, so sad. Oh, I'm going to go to Florence. Stop it. This is killing me. Right. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. Just before he died, he turned around and he said, actually, I organised the sinking of the Normandy so I could get out of prison. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, the interesting thing is there is no- Proof and yeah. the, the fact that they found eight Nazi intelligence age or assets on the docks 
would indicate that, yeah, the Nazis were involved. But you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if Luciano turned around and went, yeah, 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 I did it too. I was involved. Yeah. Right, really interesting. The other criminal, a serial killer. Mm. Ooh, I love this. So the OSS, the Americans, they used a French serial killer by the name of Dr. Marcel Petiot. Okay. That is my name. Don't use it out. Right? <laughs> so he was tasked to gather intelligence on the Germans in yeah. France. And also he established an escape route for Nazis to Argentina. Okay. So if you were if you were somebody that went, oh, what's going on here? I'd like to escape to Argentina, please. You'd go and see a doctor Petio, and he would go, before you go, I am going to give you a vaccine for any disease you might get on the journey. Syphilis? Um, no, he would basically <laughs> knock you out, kill you, cut you up, and then burn you in an incinerator. In Wait, his- what? Yeah. Right. Why is he doing this? Because he was... <laughs> A serial killer. Oh, my gosh. Now, the Germans, the Gestapo noticed that they had a lot of officers that were going missing and they were all officers under a cloud. So they thought, hang on, they might be escaping. And then I they mean, go- if you're going to be a serial killer, you may as well target people that no one else no, likes. No one else likes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Gestapo want to know what's going on. Yeah, I get that. So they, fe- you know, they did an investigation and discovered that Dr. Marcel Petiot mm. was running an escape route to Argentina. So they arrested him. Was his escape route through the incinerator? Like, I don't understand. Well, here's the thing. The Gestapo arrested him, put him in prison, and then the French police went, look, can we just go in there and have a quick look? Mm. We know you're the enemy and we're just the French police, but do you mind? Went down there, found the remains of something like a dozen people, and they estimate that he killed about 60. And, Doctor, you want to know what his reward was? What? The guillotine. Well, yeah, I mean, you got some problems if yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like, doing that. He was giving the US some great intelligence and also putting runs on the board that they were not expecting uh, to yeah, get. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, these are the people. Like, so, Marcel Petiot, let's be honest, not really a celebrity. Psychopath. But, yeah, <laughs> but then again, a lot of celebrities are psychopaths. Correct. Let's get to entertainers. Let's oh, my get God. To the people that I am. This is what I've been waiting for. The number one, the, the jazz queen, Josephine Baker. Oh, I love Josephine Baker. Right. Now, Josephine Baker was a spy. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Now, she's a triple threat. She was a singer, yep. dancer, actress. She was one of the highest paid performers in the world in the 30s. Yeah. And she went to France because France really loved her and she she truly believed that her career started in Paris. Yeah. So when the war broke out, she went to Paris and joined the French resistance. Makes sense. Right, perfect. Right, she was spying on the German occupation. Now, here's the thing. She was touring the entire time. Insane. Right. But how did she get the information out? I love this. This is good. One, she would have notes pinned on the inside of her underwear. Okay. The other one, she would write the information she needed to smuggle out in invisible ink on her music sheets. See, that is so clever. So smart. So clever. And because of her hard work, she was uh, made a Chevalier Légion d'Honneur, the highest award the French government can give you, handed to her by Charles de Gaulle himself. Now, I like that one, but my favourite is Harry Houdini. Houdini. Houdini was a spy. I mean, if anyone's going to be a spy, it's the guy who can escape out of anything. But that was what they got him for because he, when he was touring Europe, yeah. he used to go into – when he was in town doing his show, mm. he'd turn around as a publicity stunt, he'd turn around to the police and go, I bet I can break out of your jail. So right. they'd lock him in a jail cell and he'd break out. Now – the American intelligence and also the Scotland Yard got wind of this. Mm. And they both turned around and went, look, while you're on your way out of the police station, can you steal any intelligence you can find? And he did it for years. Right. He was break- – like he went to Moscow. He turned around and went, lock me up in Dzinski Square, which was the NKVD's headquarters. Lock me up. I bet you I can get out. 
And it was like, I will meet you in the foyer. And they right. all went up to the foyer to meet him and he broke out. And on the way through, took everything off every desk he could find. And Hilarious. Walked, everyone's looking at him going, how come you put on weight on the way out? He's like, well, uh, that's how I get, I break the bars. So this incredible skill was basically hoovered up. Frank Sinatra. Ooh, oh, blue eyes. Blue eyes. Now, everyone knows that Frank would or could or possibly had involvement with the mafia. Turns out yeah. he also might have been working for the CIA. Because one thing old Blue Eyes used to do, he used to travel in private charter jets. Of course he did. And that's the way the CIA got people in and out of countries that they wouldn't be able to get people oh, into so otherwise. he just helped. They'd be part of his entourage. Nice. They bring him in. That makes absolute sense. Guy disappears. Didn't you have a drummer? Ah, oh, he's a drummer. God knows where yeah. he is now. Or all of a sudden you have that extra singer in your group. Yep. Now, this is my favourite. Oh, okay. Julia Pause. Childs. Julia Childs. The chef. I know. The cook. Right. Right. She wanted to join the Women's Auxiliary Army in the United States. Yep. Wasn't allowed. Okay. Too tall. <laughs> is that a thing? She was six foot two and they went, yeah, probably we don't have a uniform that fits you. I don't know what it is. It's so random. So she applied for the OSS. Right. And the OSS went, yeah, we'll take you one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She worked on a desk and then they went, do you think you could, we're trying to come up with a shark repellent. Oh. She worked on developing a shark repellent to coat explosives, underwater explosives. And that's when she decided that she had a love for cooking. Yeah. Hey, I, <laughs> hey, I like putting ingredients together. I like making things that nothing wants to eat. Yeah. Right. No, so she <laughs> she started out with this recipe, yeah. funnily enough. The first recipe she came up with was something you didn't want to eat. But then she wound up tour, like being posted overseas, wound up in Salon, met a guy, mm. fell in love, got married. His career went on because she she got married and was having children. Back yeah. in those days, you don't work for, as a spy when you do that. Oh, God, no. So she quit and just decided to take up cooking as a hobby because she was bored. And became really good at and it. And became a world-famous chef. So, you know, Pete Evans, there's hope for you yet, buddy. No, there's not enough activated <laughs> almonds in the world that would bring that man back, I hope. See, activated <laughs> almonds is code word for plastique. Right. It's also code word for cuckoo. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Here's a $15,000 lamp that will cure COVID. Right, mate. Very good. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything he did was just incredibly laughable. The man's got crazy eyes anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what always got me. It's like you always crazy look eyes. like you're just about to cry. You all, yeah, anyway, crazy. Now, Audrey. Hepburn. Oh, that Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. She's a ballerina. Roman Holiday. Ah, now that's the interesting thing. Yeah. 14 years old, she joined the Dutch Resistance. She's Dutch. Yeah. Right. So she joined the Dutch Resistance and they realised she was an absolutely brilliant courier. Yeah. Because there's She's this petite. tiny, petite, mousy, big-eyed, pretty little girl yeah. that would ride her bicycle along, you know, with a bomb in it or whatever. She'd move information and rations and all yeah. that sort of stuff around. She was also brilliant at fundraising. Because she'd get up. She's charming. Ballerina, ballerina, ballerina. Yep. And here's the thing. as she's One of her quotes is, the best audiences I ever I ever played to were silent. Because the rule was you couldn't applaud because the Germans would go, why are all those people over there applauding? And they'd go and bust it up and they realise, oh, it's a resistance oh, right. fundraiser. Yes. So what she'd dance and everyone would just sit there in absolute silence afterwards as she bowed. And that was the appreciation. But she said that was the best audience because they were doing- They were so quiet. They were, they, not just they were so quiet. They did it for the love yes, of Yes, because country. they were literally putting their lives on the line to go see art. Yeah, and the other thing that's really good is she was so 
so benign, so trusted by the Germans that it's not a pretty little girl, pretty little Dutch girl, let's not worry about her, that she and her mother hid a downed pilot in their basement for a week. And when the Germans went, knock, 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 have you got a pilot in there? You know, Audrey went, no. Shall I do went, Shall I do a pirouette? I'll do a pirouette <laughs> and blink my eyes and go holly go lightly and yeah, smoke yeah, a cigarette yeah. and put on my glass. Yeah, her sunglasses came down and yeah. looked at the German officer and he went, oh, I can't untrust you no. and away he went yep. right so she was and you know this is the reason why she was so involved in things like unesco she sort of she truly believed that you know we've got to fight for the free world and all that sort of stuff carrie grant carrie grant yes judy uh. judy judy <laughs> carrie grant now interesting point a lot of people have believed and ian fleming intimated that he based the character of james bond we've we've talked about well all it's the different- very carrie grant vibes yeah and in fact he wanted carrie grant to play bond yes, to begin with he would have been great but Cary Grant turned around and went, I'm 58, really, come on, give me a break. He was 58 when Bond was first Yeah, made. but I feel like most of them have been yeah. older. Well, yeah, but, you know, back they in the started day, young. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, the thing with Cary Grant was he didn't spy per se. He didn't go, but British intelligence approached him while he was in Hollywood because yeah. he was huge in Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, the British turned around and went, we do not want you to volunteer, we want you to stay put and we want you to keep an eye out on any Nazi sympathisers you might come across. Dob on your friends, basically. <laughs> Errol Flynn was one of them. Great. Errol Flynn, the Australian, you know, the swashbuckler yeah. hero. The, the, the swashbuckler hero. The swashbuckler hero. Not the swashbuckler. The swashbuckler. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, oh, slow, slow, oh, slow. Oh, that's it. And a funny line from Michelle. Oh, my God, I've up. been peppering this whole uh, podcast with them. Thank I you know. very much. Right. Now, the, the interesting thing was one person he was meant to look at was the husband of Barbara Woolworth Hutton. Mm-hmm. Barbara Woolworth Hutton was the heiress to the Woolworths fortune. Yes. She wound up getting $50 million, which back in those days was a billion. Was a lot of money. Right. So she could have bought Twitter with it. He was, he was tasked to, can you keep an eye on her husband? And eventually he got her to divorce her husband, and he became her second husband. Okay, really and she kept an eye. Her second wife. Really right. kept an eye. Oh, totally <laughs> kept. A, oh, no, no, really, I've got to keep an eye on this one. She may get away. Right. So, and was awarded finally the King's Medal for for services, marrying the services to freedom <laughs> yeah. and marrying the richest woman in America. Yeah. What was interesting was when they got married. The headline was "Cash and Carry." Oh my God, that is so good. Genius. Right, Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Oh, now you've got that look on your face. Christopher Lee played Count Dooku in the prequels to Star Wars. He also played Saruman in Lord of the Rings. He used to do the Hammer House of Horror movies as as a okay. always played Dracula. Yep, huge like yep. big British actor. His service to intelligence is so secret that no one knows about it and no one will tell. Well, how do you know about it? Basically, in an interview, he said, you know, he said, you know, there's all this stuff that you're a spy. And he basically mm. turned and said, during World War II, I worked for the Special Air Service. Make of that what you will. End of story. Oh, my gosh. So, basically, he was SAS. We need more. Oh, he was hardcore. We need right? more. That's why when he pulled out that lightsaber, yeah, that's why... People. That man knew how to carry a lightsaber. Yoda got, oh, crap. <laughs> this is going to get, okay. Oh, crapping I am. Uh, Greta Garbo. <laughs> Why did we have to do a Yoda impersonation? <laughs> anyway. Right, and basically, if you want to do a Yoda impersonation, just do a fuzzy bear, but be serious. Uh, yeah. Right. Now, Greta Garbo, <laughs> she supposedly smuggled Neil Bohr's out of Oslo. Neil Bohr's was one of the Nazi atomic scientists. Okay. Marlena Dietrich, she was yeah. thought to be a Nazi spy and worked so hard to not be a Nazi spy that she became a spy for the US, basically, while she's Well, she has the Europe. name, right? Dietrich. Marlena Dietrich. 
Sky. And if you ever want to see the best ripoff of that, watch Blazing Saddles. Now, this brings us to John Wayne. John Wayne. John Wayne. The well, Duke. howdy, partner. Howdy, pilgrim. Right, so John Wayne. Yep. When the war broke out, a lot of leading men in Hollywood started volunteering. Clark Gable joined the Air Force. It's so weird because I think nowadays they would run in the opposite direction. You'd think. Jimmy Stewart, he did it. There's an interesting story actually. When the Gulf War broke out, the second Gulf War broke out, Mm. Bruce Willis rang George W. Bush and went, send me over. To which George (laughs) went, you know, bye. (laughs) He's like, you know what you need? You need me, John McClane. Die Hard. Have you yeah. watched the movies? I reckon if they sent John McClane and John Wick in there, it, it would have been over in days. John Wick. I know. Man's well, brilliant. Just get Saddam Hussein to kill his dog and that, that war is pretty much over. I know. Because now, nothing sparks anger like killing your pet. Killing John Wick's dog. Now, yep. here's the thing. On his agent's advice, he got mm. deferred enlistment. So he he could enlist and he was, you know. He, he wanted to. He wanted to, but his agent went, mate, all the leading men are also making money. And you've just had a smash hit with Stagecoach. Yeah, what are you doing? And because you're the only breadwinner in your family, you can actually say, I can't leave. So you're not leaving, you're going to stay here. And his career just went gangbusters. Mm. Uh, the problem being, a lot of people in America went, coward! Right? They started well, calling him a coward. Yeah. So he didn't want to enlist because he's like literally Hollywood and his agent are going, you're the only leading land we've got. And when he finally went, no, I am enlisting, the American government went, you're not going anywhere near the front line, buddy, because what you're doing with your movies is more in the national interest yes, than you going and fighting. Of course. See, they send them over to the troops. Right. The troops are happy. Now, the interesting thing is he would go and do USO shows and he would get booed off stage. Really? Because they, the, the guys of his age are fighting this war and he's out there going, well, guys, I want you to know you're doing a banger But job. what about like Bing Crosby and all those people? They were they were Bob Hope, sorry. They were like always over there and Are you going to let Bob Hope? Bob Hope, if you gave him a golf club, could probably be dangerous. <laughs> I, I reckon with a rifle, he'd probably shoot himself. Yeah, but he might, he might also be really good. He could you be really know. good. Well, the thing was they realised the importance of having these icons yeah, you need in position. Now, the interesting thing about it was the government wouldn't let him in. He applied to the OSS again the opera, mm. you know the office of strategic services mm. he applied for them now William Donovan who was the head of the OSS supposedly he was rejected his application was rejected and you can find I'll send you the website with the application yep. online right so supposedly it was rejected but a lot of people believe that the address he'd put on it was the address where his ex-wife was living because he was living there at the time right and then they separated so when the letter saying yeah we'd like you to work for the OSS showed up she tore it up and threw it away never told mm. him the interesting thing was William Donovan then approached him because he was going to do a USO tour of Australia. Right. Oh, right. So he's going to do this USO tour of Australia and they turned around and went, we want you to spy for us. Mm. And, of course, John went, of course I'm going to spy for you. Right. But guess who they wanted him to spy on? I don't know who. Douglas MacArthur. Oh. General Douglas MacArthur. Why? Right. Here's the interesting thing about it is – MacArthur hated the OSS and wouldn't let them – he wouldn't give them opportunities to operate in the Pacific Theatre. They were incredible and what they did in Europe was amazing. Now, I'm I'm sort of in two minds whether it was MacArthur going, I don't want intelligence in my sphere because every officer wants intelligence, right? Every general Mm. officer wants to know what's going on. Maybe he was a control freak. Well, MacArthur, really? A control freak? Only a lot. Yeah, uh, but the exactly. Other, <laughs> the other thing was, though, it would have been a lot harder for the OSS to operate in the Pacific considering you've got an Asian enemy 
and a Caucasian intelligence group. So you can't so really blend in. It's not easy to blend. No. Blending in is not is difficult. It's not impossible. There were people that were working in places like Japan, but they were cut out. But so still, They tough. would have been agents that were recruited through the Nazis or agents recruited through any other country mm. that had access to Japan. Yep. The Americans didn't. Now, the thing was they wanted to get John Wayne to find out, you know, to discover any officers on MacArthur's general staff that they could use as a cutout to get intelligence into his mm. headquarters. So the big meeting was set up in Brisbane. Bris Vegas, mate. That's where really? it all happens. Yep. And went down there. MacArthur went, not no. going to do it. No, nope, never showed up. <laughs> John Wayne basically got on stage, went, I don't have any tricks to do. I'm just here to get off. Right. So he basically did his shtick, went to New Guinea, flew home, and then spent the rest of his life trying to live down the fact that everywhere he turned, people kept giving him the white feather, calling oh. him a coward. And a lot of people said that that's why all of his movies got more patriotic. He became a very staunch Republican. Like this, mm. it sort of built up. So he's one of those cases where the intelligence thing really didn't help him very much. Interestingly enough, though, there was a great rumour going through the 40s and 50s mm. um, and it perpetuated itself through the 60s where Stalin wanted him assassinated. Oh, really? He was too much. Is that because the acting was so bad? Uh, Well, you know. (laughs) I I cannot understand this this accent. What's going on? How come no one shoot him? What? (laughs) No Indian able to put arrow in him? This is crazy. Right. So, no, it was the fact that he was such. Uh, an icon of American manliness. Yeah, he was. That he had to die. Right. He was tall too. Um, and I think it was Khrushchev that turned around to actually send a message to John Wayne saying, yeah, the bounty on your head has been taken off. But if you go back through records, there was no bounty. It uh, sounds like it was a massive rumour from Stalin. Okay. And one more, a journalist. I mean, journalist, it makes absolute sense. A current journalist. Oh. Anderson Cooper. What? Anderson Cooper. Stop. Anderson Cooper did an internship at the CIA. Okay. And then discovered that he wanted to be a journalist. But a lot of people are now saying that, no, no, he's still working for the CIA because the CIA have a thing called Project Mockingbird. Yeah. Where they try to get information into the media that advances their cause, right? And a lot of people are going, Anderson Cooper is a CIA plant. Well, he's, I mean, he comes from a very affluent family. Like his mother was Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, but this is the thing. When you go through this list of celebrity spies, yeah. the massive problem with it is it's all old, right? Mainly because you don't reveal these things. Like Mo Berg. You don't, you don't reveal these things till people are dead. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mo Berg, the baseballer, his baseball card is in the CIA museum. Right. Because he Crazy. was a huge CIA asset. Crazy. There's another one. Um, I, I can't believe there's a CIA museum. Have you been? No, 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 because I've never been to Washington. But if you remember, our friend Mark Polymerovilis, yes, former CIA officer, yes. has invited to take me when I get over there. I don't think he knows what he's in for, no. but that's great. <laughs> no, David, stop touching everything. <laughs> but I yeah, want I to, Dad. <laughs> no, it's like not good. There's just some poor it's CIA intern right. working behind with a rag and a bottle of Windex yeah. going, get the... Let's get the saliva. And off you're, the you're really going to show up, and he's really going to go. No, that was like that was just like a faux no, kind of no, dude, general was, thing dude, I said. No, no, you can't sleep at my house. Get out of yeah. my whiskey cabinet. God damn it, you Australians! <laughs> you just invite yourself everywhere. Correct. Right. So that we okay. will find out. I believe in the next sort of ten years. Yes. Who might have been a spy in the eighties and nineties? But and I can guarantee you, there will be entertainers Madonna. and. Sp- Totally. What do you think she Madonna. carried in that bra? Cones. <laughs> no, it was actually listening to. They was. No directional microphones. Tune in Tokyo. Tune in Tokyo. <laughs> yes. Hello, Allied forces. <laughs> 
Are we done? I don't know. I don't know. Do you do you have anything else to add? Nothing else to add. Okay. I'd basically, next time you go and watch Ed Sheeran, he's probably working for somebody. I don't know about that. You never know.